Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walk and look your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Alright, welcome back folks to WrestleRant Radio here today. I am Graham G.S. Matthews, flying solo on February 2nd, 2016. RJ is currently at his internship, he'll be back next week. But um, here today we got a pretty special episode, I talked about it a little bit about a month ago. That I talked to WWE superstar Ryback for HiddenRemote.com. Great interview with him. Great chatting with him for just about 20 minutes or so. The interview is only about 10 minutes. The article has been up on Hidden Remote for the past month or so. But today I'm playing the audio never before heard by anyone by me. So you can check it out right here today on WrestleRant Radio. I'll be playing the audio momentarily. And then after that I'll be breaking down Raw. All the other news and notes from the past week in wrestling. And you know, like we said last week here in the show. It's been such a great time right now. To be a wrestling fan, a lot of great stuff going on. Um, Push to Punished, my series from Bleach Report, my longtime series that I've been doing since 2011, believe it or not, almost five years since March of that year I've been doing it, is coming back on Wednesday, tomorrow, depends on when you're listening to this, but this will be uh, going up on Tuesday, that article goes up on Wednesday, focusing on the rise and fall of Tyler Breeze and WWE, so check that out. Also, hopefully on Thursday, I'll be recording another podcast with a friend of mine from here at Endicott College um, who works here, a faculty member, will be talking all about the world of wrestling. I have no idea specifically what we'll be be, uh, breaking down just yet, but that podcast should be up on Thursday. We'll probably use Next Air Wrestling as, like with this show, as the avenue to where to post and stuff. I'll, you know, post more about that on social media as it gets closer. Once it comes to fruition, we're hoping to record on Thursday. Very much looking forward to that. And, um, of course, WrestleRant Radio here today. Royal Rumble last week, our whole Royal Rumble breakdown show was last Tuesday. Go back and check that out if you haven't already. Um, But because RG is not here today, I'll be flying solo. I will have some time after we get done with the Raw review and a few other things that have been going on in the world of wrestling as of late. I will be talking very briefly about Lucha Underground from last week. And you guys know, anyone who knows me well or follows me on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, knows that I freaking love Lucha Underground. It's honestly probably the best thing going in wrestling today. I say that all about all the time about NXT, and it's true. Um, I, I probably can't really choose. Um, you know, Lucha Underground is consistently better from a quality standpoint. Like last week's episode of NXT, and I can't watch Lucha over NXT, not because I don't want to, but because we do not get El Rey Network here at school. I don't get the channel. I don't get it at home either. You know, I watched it maybe once or twice live, like online, um, you know, when I was home last summer when, during the first season. But other than that, I don't really have the time to go out of my way to watch it live streamed online and find some like crappy ass website. The days of that are long gone, especially now with the WWE Network. But I did watch it later on that night. Thank God for the website that I go to that post it. They posted around 11 or uh, around 11 o'clock last week or around midnight. And I had to stay up. I couldn't go to bed until I watched Lucha Underground wear my Pentagon Jr. t-shirt. And it was just incredible. So I'll be talking about that here today as well. And um, that's about it. But first and foremost, be sure to check out my exclusive interview with WWE superstar Ryback talking about SmackDown moving to USA Network, about the return, a possible return of the World Heavyweight Championship, his thoughts on that, the brand split, maybe a Nexus reunion down the line, maybe, we are one, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, great interview, great time talking to Ryback, hopefully you guys enjoy. Hey Ryback, how you doing today? I'm great, how you doing buddy? Doing good. So your career as Ryback started out on SmackDown back in early 2012, right around the time of WrestleMania 28. You think more focus on the brand upon its move to USA Network could help other up-and-coming stars as well? Absolutely. You know, for me, it was uh, huge things for me being able to debut on SmackDown. Uh, If I remember correctly, I I believe Brock Lesnar actually came back uh, on the, the night before on Monday Night Raw. And, uh, I was like, well, I don't want to debut on Raw with a guy like that coming back and have the following that he did. Uh, so SmackDown, for me at the time, uh, was, a, was a great outlet for Ryback to debut in the WWE Universe uh, and to take on the local talents like it did. And, uh, and I was 
mostly, I was on SmackDown for a while only there. Uh, and, and for me, it was great. So I think it has the same, uh, it's going to be able to do have the same opportunity for the NXT talents to come in and debut on a show like SmackDown uh, because it's a different flavor than Raw. And Raw being live on the USA Network, uh, it's a different animal. Uh, and sometimes you take a talent who has all the talent in the world and uh, they, they've done nothing but hit home runs and you, know, you throw them on that live program uh, and, and that crowd is a little different and that atmosphere is a little different. And, uh, the WWE producers are the higher-ups. It's, it's, a, it's a much more tension-filled day uh, amongst everybody. And so it takes a special uh, animal to be able to handle that. Uh, you never know how a talent's going to handle that their first time. So having something like SmackDown on the USA Network on Thursday is a great opportunity for the NXT talents, and I believe a lot of them will take advantage of that. And also, you kind of touched upon it before, upon the brand split uh, when it first started in 2002-2003. SmackDown was primarily the wrestling show, and then Raw was kind of like the promos, the stars, and whatnot. Do you think with SmackDown moving over to USA Network this upcoming Thursday, that SmackDown, that more can be done for it to establish its own identity, maybe as the wrestling show or as the up-and-coming show with NXT stars, as you said before? Absolutely. I know as a WWE talent, I would be all for that. You know, having Raw as the storyline-driven show, which is an absolute necessary uh, uh, in our programming, uh, but having SmackDown more wrestling-based, uh, I know one, the WWE talent would be all for it, and uh, we are all very receptive to that idea. Uh, I would love nothing more to be able to go out there uh, and see WWE SmackDown to deliver on just great wrestling programming uh, and, and having some of these NXT talents stepping up to the plate and getting them mixed in and having some new rivalries. I think makes for great television, and everybody wins from that, yes. And lastly, is there anyone else from the current roster? I mean, you've worked with John Cena, most recently Kevin Owens, Big Show earlier on in 2015. Is there anyone from the current roster or from NXT that you still wish to work with? Absolutely. Uh, you know, so uh, I've always said Undertaker's a guy I would love to be in the ring with. Uh, the, the knowledge that he has, and, and he is an all-time, you know, one of the all-time greats and uh, a future WWE Hall of Famer and just legend uh, to be able to pick his brain to be in the ring and see how he operates and what he does in certain situations. Um, and also, um, Triple H is another one, which is something I, I'm, keeping, uh, I'm keeping alive through my dreams um, and I get the opportunity to step in the ring with him. Uh, and Brock Lesnar is another guy who I believe uh, I can bring out the best in him and he can bring out the best in me uh, from a competitive standpoint. So those are, those are a few matchups that I'm, I'm holding on to that I have the possibility to create so you mentioned before about the brand split being back and how that could benefit talents. Also kind of along those lines that we haven't seen in about two, three years, the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, do you think if that was reinstated as a second world title, as opposed to just having just one, would help you know talents such as yourself, King Barrett, Dolph Ziggler, guys like that might, that might not have other opportunities to vie for that one world championship and make, maybe make it exclusive to the uh, SmackDown brand? I was just going to say that, and... 100% absolutely, uh, and I hope when the, moving forward with that we do decide to bring the WWE World Heavyweight Championship back. So that World Heavyweight Championship, having that and then the WWE Championship, it gives two WWE superstars the opportunity to be number one. Uh, and having one exclusive to SmackDown like that would do nothing but, but great things, not only for the talent, but for the show as well. And, you know, we have the WWE, we have our Red Live events and our Blue Live events. Two sets of shows each and every week. And having the WWE champion on one and having the World Heavyweight champion on the other, that was something that when I came in, that was, that was standard. And I would like for that to return. And I think that's a great point. Uh, and it's something that I, I hope is discussed. And, and that might be something I need to discuss with Vince personally because I think it would be guys like Wade Barrett and Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, and myself. It would give the opportunity to, to carry that brand uh, and, and bring more exposure to not only that WWE talent, but the SmackDown brand as well. And 100% think that's a great idea, yes. And also before before the start of your career as Ryback, you had that brief run as Skip Sheffield, a part of NXT, and of course the Nexus in the, mid, in the summer of 2010. Um, all the greatest stables reunited at some point. Evolution, DX... 
uh, NWO, do you think that any point down the line we could see some sort of a reunion? I mean, with the remaining members that are still at the company like you, maybe Slater or Barrett or even Daniel Bryan, um, as the members of the Nexus at some point down the line? No, absolutely. Uh, all the great factions always seem to reunite. And, uh, Nexus is one of those things I talk to Wade about all the time. And we, we all had a great chemistry because we came up from the WWE developmental together. We were all in the same stage of our career. We were just young, hungry guys trying to make it. And everything that we did depended on the one night that we came in and tore apart the ring in Miami uh, and beat up John Cena. Our futures all depended on how well that night went. And we all came together because uh, we all had individual goals and we all just came out of this competition from NXT where we were trying to beat each other, but we realized that we all had to come together to make to make this work and we were going to have jobs within the WWE and have any sort of success. And so it created a special bond between all of us that we still to this day, all of us have. No matter what our personal feelings are with each other, we have this bond from that moment. Uh, and unfortunately, some of the guys are no longer in the WWE, but never say never. You'd always bring guys back to do something special again. Uh, and I know we've, we've all talked about it from a talent standpoint, uh, but it would have to be in the right moment, the right circumstance. And uh, I believe the WWE Universe would uh, would love a Nexus reunion in the future. But it would have to be something that, and it would have to have meaning, and it would have to be special. And it would have to be in the right time. But yeah, that is definitely a possibility. And lastly, over the last five, six years of your WWE career, you've played both sides of the coin as both a babyface fan favorite and as the heel, the bad guy. Um, which one would you say that you had more fun playing? The Feed Me More Ryback or the Ryback Rules Bully Ryback character? <laughs> that is a great question. So um, from a rewarding standpoint, putting smiles on kids' faces and uh, who I feel is truer to my real-life personality, being the good guy that Feed Me More Ryback, is very true to who I am as a person, and I have a very competitive um, mindset with myself, trying to be just the best version of me each and every day. And that is at the very core of the ride, that character, that feed me more character. I will say, only bad guy Ryback is the most fun that I have had in the WWE ring, though, um, because it has allowed me to step outside the norm um, and to get fans wild up and to get people to hit to essentially hate you and boo you. Uh, it took a little bit of getting used to, uh, but once I found my niche there, and, and, and it, you got to remember, and for me, it, it's TV and it's entertainment. Once so again, big to thanks to Ryback for that great interview, which was recorded about a month ago, like I said, on the 4th of January, that first Monday of the new year. The article has been up on Hidden Remote for the past month, if you want to check it out in written form. It's up there, check it out. Great dude. He actually retweeted the article when I tweeted it to him when the article came out later on that week. He's been one of my favorites for the past six years almost by this point, so... It was amazing to talk to him and uh, had a really good time interviewing him just last month. So check out the article, hiddenremote.com. And now we transition to my Raw review from last night. Or even before that, let's get into a few news and notes from the world of wrestling before we get into the Raw review, which was not a great show, I'll admit it. I thought Raw last week was great, Royal Rumble was great. Pretty much the entire week in wrestling was amazing. Um, this week did not really get off to the best to the best starts. Great, thanks again, Ryback. Did not get off on the best foot. On Monday, it was announced by Bret Hart himself they had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. He announced in a Facebook post on Monday afternoon. I read it. My heart sank. I just met the guy back in November. He's a total class act. You don't need to tell you that. You don't need me to tell you that. The guy is just absolutely incredible. And I'll cherish that opportunity. I'll cherish that uh, that chance to be able to meet him last November. He was great. Um, but yes, he did announce that on his Facebook page on Monday afternoon. Very unfortunate news. It's so great to see the overwhelming amount of support coming from pretty much everybody. You know, even from the most positive person like a Triple H or a Roman Reigns or whoever, or even a guys like Jim Cornette who got a lot of heat last week for crapping all over Lucha Underground, which was, I don't agree with his comments, but um, you got to respect everyone who has shown love and support towards Bret Hart, his fans, his family, his friends, everybody. Um, you know, you guys included, everybody who's been showing support towards the Hitman over the last 24 hours. So that's so great to see. Very sad to hear that. Hopefully he can overcome it. He can kick out of it like many people have before. Um, but kind of some unfortunate news. I did want to mention that and give my thoughts and condolences and my uh, prayers to uh, Bret Hart at this time as he goes through that tough time of battling uh, prostate cancer. But we do get to some 
Happier news uh, on a lighter note from last week in the world of wrestling. On Wednesday, it was announced that Suzuki Nakamura is WWE NXT bound. Almost jumped out of my chair when it was announced, uh, actually during NXT, which is surprising. The tapings took place last Wednesday um, in Full Sail University, I'm pretty sure. And I was watching NXT when the news broke. RJ, I I always go over to his place to watch NXT. Um, he showed me that the news had broken on Twitter that same evening, and it wasn't really a spoiler, so I apologize if I'm spoiling this for anybody, but WWE did mention it on their social media accounts and on their website, and typically if that's the case, it's not really a spoiler. And take it from me, as someone who hates spoilers, trust me, I would not go out of my way to read a spoiler unless WWE um, had confirmed it themselves. But um, he will be at NXT TakeOver Dallas. If you don't want to know his opponent, skip ahead maybe 15 seconds or a mi- about a minute or so. I do want to talk about the match. So at TakeOver Dallas, he'll be making his first premier WWE NXT appearance in a match versus Sami Zayn. And I'll go over the card in a little bit. I I will spoil the card for TakeOver Dallas because um, it is pretty incredible. I didn't want to be spoiled myself. It's not really giving too much away from the current TV tapings um, that have been already taped. Everything from now up until Dallas, which isn't exactly, not a month from today. Today's the second as I record this. Um, the special's on the 1st of April, that Friday, which should be absolutely amazing. I mean, people are already saying that WrestleMania should just give up as it is because that show is just going to kick all sorts of ass. Um, but needless to say, that whole weekend's just going to be just incredible. I can't wait for it. So I'll go over to the card in a little bit, but Suzuki Nakamura is WWE NXT bound. And uh, like I said, very excited to hear that. It was pretty much confirmed, you know, earlier on in the year when the news broke, first Monday of 2016, January 4th, that AJ Styles, who has since debuted at the Royal Rumble, Suzuki Nakamura, and the Bullet Club members, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, are all heading for WWE. Like I said, Styles is already here. I talked about that last week. I'll talk about that a little bit more in my Raw review. Um, Gallows and Anderson, I would imagine, would be debuting either at the TakeOver Special, but from what I'm now hearing that they're not going to NXT. They're going to the main roster immediately. So I really don't have a preference. I think they're a very good tag team, but I think they would be fine if they went down to NXT to team with Balor, a part of the Balor Club. I honestly, like I said, don't really have a preference. Um, but it sounds like they're heading to the main roster, maybe to team with Styles or do a Bullet Club kind of thing. I have no idea. Maybe Balor gets called up the night at the WrestleMania. That's what I said last year. Now I'm not so sure if he holds onto the belt at TakeOver Dallas. Who the hell knows? And all the reports we're hearing right now about him sticking down in NXT for a little while longer. We won't know until that weekend. It's going to be a weekend of epic proportions, to say the least. But Suzuki Nakamura is officially heading to NXT, starting TakeOver Dallas and a match against Sami Zayn, which should be, like I said, all sorts of amazing. That match really has the potential to be just fantastic, and I'm very much looking forward to what the whole show does. Um, But Suzuki Nakamura, I got accustomed to his work a little bit. I didn't even know it, but RJ talked about it in his article. RJ's two cents up from last Friday. His two cents on Suzuki Nakamura coming to NXT. Great read. Check it out on the website. Cheap plug. And he talked about how um, you know how he watched a few of his matches in New Japan, Ring of Honor. And like I said, a match I didn't even thought I saw. I didn't even think I saw, but I actually did. War of the Worlds 2014 Kevin Steen at that time. Now known as Kevin Owens, obviously. Um, just a great match. That was my first taste of Ring of Honor ever. I came home my freshman semester, my second semester, my freshman year of college. Um, I think maybe the next day, I think it was, because I got done on Monday and on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I watched pretty sure it was Tuesday, no less than 24 hours from when I got home from my first year of college, watched my first ever Ring of Honor pay-per-view, War of the Worlds. Great show. I do, I do remember the Kevin Steen match. But I don't remember with it being with Nakamura. Because that time I had you know, uh, no idea who any of the uh, New Japan guys were. I knew they just had a, an association with Ring of Honor where they could do you know, the, the annual pay-per-views and stuff. But you know, now watching that match back, I do realize it was Nakamura. And the guy was great. I, fir- I got my first taste of him you know, then, of course. But also when I watched the Wrestle Kingdom 9 show last January and his match against... Uh, this year he faced Styles. And I went, on, I went out of my way... I did not have the time to watch the pay-per-view in full, unfortunately, but I did watch the match back a week ago, and it was great. If you haven't seen the match yet, I'm, it, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube because RJ put it in his article. He referenced it in his article. He told me that it was on YouTube, but I watched it on, like, Daily Motion. I went out of my way to get, like, high quality for this video because it was such a great match. Um, but I think he faced... Because I know we got Okada and Tanahashi last year, and we also got that this year, too. 
So I forgot who he faced. Maybe Ibushi? I don't remember exactly. But whatever match it was, it was fucking great. Um, pardon my French, but that was a really, really good match. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I know a lot. there's not a lot of people. There was just general excitement, you know, um, just in general about him coming to NXT. And that, um, you know, I, I've seen some naysayers about whether he should be immediately on the main roster. And, of course, there's really no debate that he's a big enough star to go straight enough to the main roster, you know, straight immediately to the to Raw or SmackDown. Um, but, and it's not even the argument that he needs to get accustomed to the WWE style. You know, no pun intended, AJ Styles immediately debuted on Raw. He has no idea what the WWE quote-unquote style is. He was just over wrestling a five-star classic over New Japan. Not to say that WWE doesn't have their you know fair share of five-star classics. They did a hell of a lot of them in 2015. But it's a completely different style of wrestling. In Ring of Honor or New Japan compared to WWE, it's like fucking night and day. Um, so the fact that um, that Styles went to the main roster is not really an excuse for Nakamura to go to the NXT. But I think it's good. I think it's great that we're having... It looks like Gallows and Anderson, as well as Styles on the main roster. And, and NXT, does. I'm not going to say they need all the star power they can get. They're pretty freaking stacked right now. You look at the current landscape of the roster. You got Austin Aries, who just debuted. Baron Corbin, who's come a long way from uh, his debut in late 2014. That guy has really grown on me ever since the debut of Breaking Ground of the Network. Great show, by the way. Finn Balor, who as of right now still is still in NXT before the what I predicted the main roster called the night at the WrestleMania. Same thing with Samoa Joe. You've got Apollo Crews down there. You've got a lot of great talent. You've got Chad Gable, Jason Jordan, the Mechanics, Enzo and Cass, Bailey, Asuka, Carmella, just so many stars from just every division. The main roster, I mean the main event division, you have the tag team, the women, even the undercard guys like a Corbin or an Aries, they're all Firing at all cylinders right now. Sami Zayn 2, Nakamura coming in. Um, so they don't need the star power, but I think it's great for NXT. And again, I, I feel like it's only going to be temporary, but then again, a lot of people said the same thing about Balor. Because again, he, a lot like Nakamura, was a, just a total star, and he still is to this day in NXT. Um, a total star in New Japan, so a lot of people figured he won't be here for long. A lot like Owens was. Um, Owens was in NXT for maybe six months, four or five months before he got called up to Raw in May of 2015. Um, but Balor's been down there ever since, and it's not a demotion for him. I feel like Sami Zayn needs to be in the main roster right now. It's kind of ridiculous. He's been down in NXT for like four, three to four years. It's kind of ridiculous at this point because um, he's pretty much done it all. And now he wants to do it again and winning back the belt. That's cool. But um, with Balor, I mean, he's been the face of the promotion since he debuted pretty much in November of 2014. So I have no problem with him sticking around for a little while longer if he's going to be involved in the championship chase, the championship picture. But Nakamura, he should you know, have a couple, not a couple, a lot of great matches down in NXT for the time that he's there before he gets called up at some point, maybe by mid this year, this summer. I think it's a little too early, not because he's not worthy of it. I just don't think it's feasible. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm predicting that it won't happen. Just not really based off any logic, rhyme, or reason. I'm just predicting he won't be up by that point, but he should be. Um, I think if he spends a couple months, a cup of coffee down in the NXT, have a couple great matches like Owens did, he doesn't have to win the belt. It would be a nice touch. And then come up to the main roster. Um, I don't know if he, whether he knows English or not. I have zero idea about that. But as long as he knows English and he can do what he can do with Sinkara, Mystica, whatever the hell his name was. Um, he could do what he couldn't and know English and, and know the WWE style and spend a few months down in NXT before it comes after the main roster. The guy's golden, and I'm looking forward to it. The guy is a total star from his work that I've seen in Ring of Honor and in New Japan. Very much looking forward to it. And like I said before, uh, and I'll get into my Raw review, then I'll get into Lucha Underground to close out the show here today. Um, we got about 40 minutes. I don't want to go, maybe not even the full hour, because um, I don't want to spend too much time on the Raw review, because... It really wasn't that great of a show. It wasn't a terrible show. There's few weeks where I'll go, wow, that was an awful show. You know, I wasn't paying too much attention to the show last night. We, I mean, me and RJ were just kind of listening to entrance themes and watching Pentagon Jr. and Vampiro from Ultima Lucha last August because it's such a great match, and why not, you know? <laughs> but because uh, it really wasn't that intriguing of a show. It was decent, but I thought the first hour was good, and it all kind of went downhill from there. Um, just a lot of questionable booking decisions, but... It's not really a total miss because we do have the pay-per-view in um, a little less than two weeks. Or no, three weeks at this point. A little less than three weeks. And we do have time. Um, we do have another two episodes to go of Raw before the pay-per-view. So this was not a hit or miss show where if it was a miss, oh, I'm not excited for the pay-per-view. we got two more weeks, people. It's not a total lost cause. But kicking off the show, we had Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. And I said this in my Raw review on nextwrestling.net. 
there is never, it is never not a good idea to kick off raw with Brock Lesnar. I know double negatives are frowned upon, and as a journalism major, I realize that, but um, I can make an exception for, I, I'm pretty sure I can make an exception for the Beast and Karn. The guy, whenever he kicks off Roy, he just brings an all new level of excitement to the arena. And I talked about this in my article for Bleach Report last week, check it out, about how Lesnar's part-time schedule has really been beneficial for him, his own character, the WWE, the fans, pretty much every party involved. It's been a total win-win-win. You know, WWE, they're paying him more money, but they've Reap the benefits. I mean, he's been around a lot more. He's wrestling live events. He's boosted ratings. Um, he's had a lot of great matches with Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and The Undertaker, Kofi Kingston, even a beast in the East. Um, they've really reaped the benefits or seek the benefits. I'm pretty sure to reap the benefits, isn't it? I don't know. Um, but of him signing on for more dates last March, which I, which I still say is probably one of the more underrated moments of 2015. We talk about all the great things that happened last year and all the bad things. But I feel like one thing that does not get the credit it deserves was Brock Lesnar re-signing. I'm not saying the product would have been in the pooper if he didn't re-sign, but it's just so great to see him sticking around for the next couple of years and all the potential matchups he can have and all the matches he has had. Like I said, with Rollins, with even Sheamus and Del Rio on house show events, which I watched. The the match with Sheamus at the house show in, uh, I think it was January or last month. He had the match with Del Rio in December, but I watched the match with Sheamus. It's on YouTube. Great quality. I don't know if it's still up, but it was great quality. It's a freaking good match. It was a really good match, a match that I've been wanting to see for the past four years since Lesnar came back. Um, but anyway, so he kicked off the show last week talking about, or Paul Heyman rather, <laughs> and Hardy and I were talking about this. How great it is that Lesnar is getting paid like five, ten mil, however much money it is, just to stand in the ring and bounce around. And that's all he needs to do. The guy is a spectacle. I mean, I know I joke around about Big Show being a spectacle and an attraction, which he's not. I don't care what anyone says in 20. 20- he is kind of a spectacle being as big as he is, but he's not drawn in crowds. Brock Lesnar is. And I know the brand, I've said in the past, that the brand WWE is selling out these shows and attendance and ratings and stuff. It's not one name and the boys thinking the main guy for the house kind of thing like the 80s or whatever. It's not like that anymore. But if there's ever an exception to that rule, it's Brock Lesnar. This guy is one of the main reasons to watch Raw um, nowadays. He's it's, it's so great to see. So Paul Heyman talking about the Fastlane main event with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose which we talked about last week, but it makes absolutely no sense to put Roman Reigns for the authority to give him another shot after they tried oh so hard to take the championship off of him at the Royal Rumble to then put him in the triple threat of Fastlane for an opportunity to win the championship back. Again, makes no sense, but that's WWE. But I hate to complain because the match itself should be really, really good. I'm excited to see more interaction between Lesnar and Ambrose more than anything else. We got a bit of a taste of that in this opening segment, and it was so cool and again, because Lesnar's not around that often, he's making more appearances than he was last year. He's not a full-time guy, obviously, but anytime he mixes it up with somebody that I have not seen him cross paths with before, like a Kevin Owens, like when they went, you know, when they went at it, not one-on-one, but when Lesnar demolished the whole heel side of the roster a couple weeks ago, and he took out Rusev and Barrett and and Sheamus and Del Rio, whole jobber nation, a whole uh, league of jobbers, pretty much, and then Owens too in the New Day. It was so cool to see because we have, I mean, he mixed it up the New Day last summer, but him and Owens have never gone face-to-face. Neither have the League of Nations on TV anyway. So it was cool, and this was cool too. They had a pretty good back and forth. I liked how Ambrose was a true baby face. I don't know how crazy he is right now on TV. He's not really doing anything that, you know, uh, that would classify him as a lunatic on the lunatic fringe or whatever, as his nickname um, indicates. But um, it was cool to see him not backing down to the Beast Incarnate, still toe-to-toe, and it was surprising to me that Dean Ambrose is almost as tall as Brock Lesnar. Lesnar's a fucking monster. He's going to eat him alive. But it was funny to see how tall he is compared to Brock Lesnar. I thought that was kind of humorous. Um, so that was cool. Good segment to kick off the show. After that, we had the United States champion Kalisto taking on Rusev, non-title match. Good match. Nothing too exciting, but it was something new, fresh. I appreciate that. If it's Anything that we haven't seen before, I will never completely crap on it. Just because it's something new, it's fresh, and which we didn't see a lot of on this show. We saw a lot of the matches we've already seen a million times before. Brie Bella and Charlotte, Big Show and Eric Rowan, Ziggler and Owens, Banks and Lynch. A lot of matches we've seen a million times over. Uh, But I thought this was good. Kalisto won via a countout, which was beneficial to most parties involved. Kalisto picked up a good win, a good non-title win. Del Rio on commentary talked about his upcoming match with Kalisto. They're having another match with the U.S. title at Fastlane, which is fine. But 
I guess it makes sense to give Del Rio his rematch, but I was really hoping they would just drop the feud after that because their matches are good. The Rumble match wasn't as good as their Raw and SmackDown encounters, but we've just seen so much of this match in the past month alone. It's only February 2nd. We've already seen these two go one-on-one four times, four times in the month of January alone, not including their one-off match on Raw back in November in the WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Four times in a matter of a month. Now five going into February. That's ridiculous. Um, it'd be nice if they gave him a step. I didn't expect them to give him, for, for WWE to give these guys like a no-holds-barred or a ladder match, which would be awesome. I don't see that just because Del Rio is reportedly hurt. Um, I guess he's going to be good good to go in time for the Fastlane pay-per-view, which is in less than three weeks, so which makes sense. Um, but they're not going to have him go all out just to get re-injured again. So I, I don't see that happening. It would be nice, but I'm not getting my hopes up. But yeah, good match between Kalisto and Rusev. Rusev got protected, not like it really matters much anyway, because I know he went undefeated for a year, but the guy's been a total loser for the last couple of months. Uh, but a good win for Kalisto, nevertheless. After that, we had the Usos taking on the Social Outcasts. Um, I think they did this match maybe on Main Event or something like a week or two ago, So, but it was new for the Raw audience. Um, they set it up with, they, they said Bo Ryder, Bo Dallas was not present in the arena for that show last night because... He was too busy uh, mixing up or making a mixtape in the in the recording studio, whatever. And I was like, but seriously, why is he not here? So I guess he was gone from Raw reportedly because, not reportedly, I'm not saying it's like a rumor, but I, I guess he was um, in the hospital with his grandfather, um, Blackjack Mulligan, I believe, maybe. I'm not sure, but their grandfather, along with Bray Wyatt, they were with their grandfather who was hospitalized recently, so that's why they missed Raw. Um, but yeah, decent match. Usos won. It felt like something you would see on a house show. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. It just really didn't serve much of a purpose. I would assume we're getting Uso's new date again. I mean, maybe what we saw last week with Russo, with Russo, I, God, thank, thank the Lord not. Um, but um, based off what we saw on the Raw after the Royal Rumble with the Usos and the New Day and the Rock, uh, I guess that could be the new tag team name, the Russos, the Rock and the Usos, the Russos. That'd be a terrible name. That Vince Russo would probably be their manager, which is. Thankfully, that will never, ever, ever happen. Um, thank the Lord. But uh, yeah, just based off what we saw last week, it could have been aftermath from the Royal Rumble match. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, but it seemed to indicate that the feud will be continuing going to the pay-per-view, which I'm not completely against. I'm just ready for a new tag team to get called up. Hopefully, it's either American Alpha, but I have my money on Enzo and Cass. Uh, if they weren't going to win the belts in December in London, then they're not going to win the belts at all. I don't think so anyway. And they'll get called up then after WrestleMania. A lot like the Lucha Dragons were after WrestleMania last year, which was awesome. And they've been... Uh, and Kalisto's really broken out of his own. The Lucha Dragons were a fun team, but it, it was obvious that it was merely nothing more than a, than a stepping stone, a launching pad for Kalisto as a single star and a breakout uh, breakout single star going now after, you know, in the U.S. Championship picture. But yeah, Uso's Social Outcast, decent match. I would imagine we're getting Uso's New Day again at the pay-per-view, whatever. So after that, we had Miz TV. AJ Styles guest starring on Miz TV with The Miz. Styles didn't say a single word. Miz just went off for five minutes talking about how AJ's whole background growing up and he made the football team and how he's been all over the world, but he never made it in WWE because he never had that it factor. And at at one time during this segment, I felt like it was a total shoot. Like I tweeted this. I thought it was Vince, like whatever Miz was saying was all Vince saying that if you've never been here before, then you're not a star, which can be debated. I get that. But I thought, and maybe not. It's not like they were burying the guy because if they were going to bury AJ Styles, they would not have given him as big of a buildup as they did last week. He would have debuted in the Rumble, got thrown out in two minutes, or debuted in a random th- in a random segment on Raw. He wouldn't have gotten the pop and circumstance that he did. The, the pomp, you know, the, the pops, you know, literally, but pomp and circumstance he got when he debuted last week in WWE. They wouldn't have given that to him if they didn't have any plans for him to be a relatively big star in the near future. I mean, I know Jericho debuted in grandiose fashion back in August of 99 in that segment with The Rock, and then he went out to do nothing, like, for the next couple of months, and he got put in an icy title picture with fucking China, of all people. Um, so it's not that's not a great example, but I feel like they wouldn't have made that, and that's arguably one of the greatest debuts of all time. But I, I, I would assume they would not have put him in that position last week if they weren't going to push him to at least a level of significance in WWE um, in the very near future, like going forward. So, but anyway, I thought this was a really good segment just because Miz, you know, I've been a Misfit forever. I've said that, you know, even using the word Misfit makes me a Misfit. But uh, 
I've always said the guy is great in the microphone. Give him all the crap you want from main eventing WrestleMania 27, not being a good wrestler. I mean, he's he's improved. He's not a he's not a Bret Hart in the ring or anything, but the guy has improved in the ring, whether you like it or not. And especially on the mic, he's always been a great talker. Uh, but I thought this really was his time to shine. You know, give his side of the story and. Even if they were lines being fed by Vince McMahon, that was his narrative to, you know, bury AJ Styles, make him seem like a star, make him not seem like a star, damn it. I don't think that was the case. Um, but I thought the delivery itself of the promo for Miz was just spectacular. The guy's always been a great talker, but it really shi- he really shined here. It really showed in this segment. I, I saw a lot of praise from Miz online after this segment, which was great. Styles, my only gripe with this segment was that why wouldn't have Styles have beaten up Miz earlier? Like, Miz was talking on both sides of his mouth. He was talking shit for, like, five minutes. You would think that Styles would have had enough of his crap earlier and beaten him up earlier on in the segment, not wait five minutes and then beat him up. That's my only gripe. It's not a major one. Um, That's one thing I noticed. But still, Styles beat the crap out of the Miz. Miz left the ring, not not giving too much away before we see the two square off on SmackDown this week. So a good setup. It's not just, you know, which I like. But they typically just advertise a match for SmackDown like, here's what you're getting this week. This is what it is. Um, This week they did that, but they set up what we're getting on SmackDown with something on Raw, which is the way it should be. You know, we should be getting these kind of segments on Raw that set up for something on SmackDown or vice versa. To make it feel like there's more continuity between between the two shows and that SmackDown is not just a Raw recap or a Raw repeat. Or a raw rehash. You know what I mean? And thankfully that's not the case. Or at least hasn't been the case since I moved to USA Network last month. It's been really a really, really good show. I mean, we talked about it before. I talked about it here on the show a couple weeks ago. RJ said it last week. But SmackDown has felt infinitely more relevant since moving to USA Network about a month ago. And in, in the first week of January, of the, uh, the, the first week of the new year. Um, the matches have been good. The segments have been good. The storyline progression is there. The commentary. Don't even get me started. Mauro Ronaldo is a great. He's a star on commentary. He's a stud. And hopefully it's not long before he gets moved to Raw because he's that damn good. Um, but yeah, I would check out SmackDown. I mean, just for Miz and Styles alone. I mean, I, like I said before, I don't care if Styles is facing Heath Slater. Just to see him in the ring with anyone from WWE. Just to see him in a WWE ring, period, is, pun intended, phenomenal. Like, it's really... It's unbelievable um, that we're getting that in 2016. It just makes me so happy to see Styles and WWE. But anyway, good segment. After that, we had the Divas Champion Charlotte taking on Brie Bella in a match that was set up beforehand in a backstage segment. Brie Bella talking about Nikki Bella's recovery. And do you notice that anytime they try to turn Brie Bella babyface, because she's like, yell one week and a babyface the next, who gives a fucking shit at this point? But do you ever notice when they try to turn her babyface, they use Whoever it is, whether it be Daniel Bryan or Nikki Bella, they use their injuries as Brie Bella getting sympathy. I mean, it's I'm sure it's not really a coincidence. They do it by design to help her get on the side of fans, like she'll do the yes kick and whatever. Like Nikki Bella, the last time we saw her, Daniel Bryan, I kind of get. With Nikki Bella, the last time we saw her, she was hurt. So why would we care about her? And from a storyline standpoint, I'm not even saying this as a Bella Twins hater or anything, but... It makes no sense for Brie Bella to be fighting for Nikki Bella. Unless she comes back as a babyface, which could very well be possible. I don't think that will be the case. But it's very possible Nikki Bella could come back as a face. But to have Brie Bella, to have her turn alone for the upteenth millionth time is ridiculous. But to have her use Nikki Bella's you know, injury as a, as a sympathy point, as a narrative, to turn herself babyface, it's not even sickening. It's not even surprising or anything. It's just, why do I care? You know, why should I care that he, that she beat Charlotte? And it looks like, based off reports, I mean, it looked like they were going in a completely different direction last week, but I guess they must have changed plans. It looks like, you know, you know, based off the fact that Brie Bella won here in the non-title match, and we had Sasha breaking off from Team Bad later on, which we'll talk about briefly in a couple minutes, and her siding with Becky Lynch, we'll be getting Charlotte and Brie for the title, and then getting Team Bad, Naomi, and Tamina against... Becky and Sasha in a tag team match at the same pay-per-view. So two women's matches, which is great. But it seems like we're getting those two matches and then getting maybe Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky for the belt at Mania. Which I'd be all for. Um, I don't know if I would be good for a four-away with Brie Bella too. I think that's kind of convoluting the scene. Brie Bella does not need to be in the title picture in the women's match period at WrestleMania. I've got my fair share. The Bella Twins have probably been in more women's matches at Mania. I might be wrong. 
Probably I am. I, I feel like you know, Lita and um, Trish have probably broke the record for most women's matches of Mania, but you look at it. I mean, Bella Twins had a match at WrestleMania's 25, 26. It was, I'm pretty sure they were in that match. It was that multi-diva tag team match. It was 25, 26. They weren't a 27. They weren't a 28, 29. They came back. They were supposed to have a match. I don't know if you count that, but they were supposed to have a match. And they were at WrestleMania 30, and they were at WrestleMania 31 too. So that's four or five matches right there at WrestleMania alone. I do not need to see Brie Bella wrestling at this year's WrestleMania. Make it all about the four horsewomen or the three horsewomen that are on the main roster right now with Charlotte, Banks, and Sasha. I would love to Charlotte and Sasha straight up, but a, a triple threat is completely okay in my book because that match would be great, I'm sure. Um, but either way, I wasn't... I mean, I was... Then I tweeted, like, why? After Charlotte lost to Brie Bella, but... I mean, again, there's there's better ways of having, of setting up a Divas title match at a pay-per-view than having the champion get beat. Just a title match alone. We always see the same shit with this company, that the champion gets beat in a non-title match, and then that sets up the championship match at a pay-per-view. What about the, whatever happened, the number one contenders matches? What a novel concept. A number one contenders match. You win a four-way, you win a triple threat, a six-pack challenge, whatever the hell it might be. And that earns you a title match at the next pay-per-view. Whatever happened to a to a number one contenders match? I do not need to see the champion getting beat every week on Raw. Charlotte has not been losing a lot as of late, so I'm not really complaining about that. It's just the concept of the champion losing. And it's been happening forever, so I know it's it's been happening since the beginning of time in wrestling. Not even just specifically WWE, just wrestling in general. WWE typically tends to do it a lot more than any other promotion because they just make they just make no sense at times. But it just never gets any less annoying. Especially with Brie Bella. Like, I have no reason to care about her fighting for Nikki when the last time that we saw Nikki, she was a heel. And, you know, someone asked me on hashtag AskGSM this past week, why is Tyson Kidd's injury getting, you know, a lot less coverage than Nikki Bella's, even though his injury is a lot worse and he'll be out a lot longer? Total Divas. Total Divas. And I like the show. I watch the show. It's not a, I mean, I guess, you know, depend on, <laughs> depending on who you are. You can call it a bad job you want. I, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I, I admit it. But, uh, you know, Nikki Bella, while Tyson Kidd is on that show, Nikki Bella is the show. She is Total Divas along with Brie Bella. And you know that's going to be a major talking point probably throughout the rest of the uh, the latter half of this season. What are they on? Four or five seasons now? I have no idea. Um, either this season or the next one, which will probably be back in the fall or the summer. I, I lost track at this point, honestly. I like I enjoy the show, but I don't keep on I don't keep track with um I don't, you know, keep up with how many seasons they have or what season it is. I just watch the show. I just tune in every Tuesday. That's that's all I'm up for. But uh that's the reason why, just because of Total Davis and the reason that, that she is the face of the show, that's basically the sole reason why her injury has gotten a lot more coverage than Tyson Kidd's. I don't agree with it either, but that's pretty much the reason why. That's why you've heard a lot more about Nikki Bell in the past two weeks on Raw than you've heard about Tyson Kidd in the last eight months alone. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. Big Show beating Eric Rowan in a match I didn't give two craps about. Match was over in less than a minute. Shades of their classic. I do say that sarcastically. From uh, TLC 2014, the stairs match. I, I do not need to see Big Show feeding with the Wyatt family. Like, I defended when Big Show got beat up by the Wyatt family and that it was a face turn for Big Show. I defended the fact that it could have been um, just a narrative, a way of building towards the Rumble and establishing that it's every man for himself. But I guess not, because apparently Big Show is a, you know, a, a full-fledged babyface at this point. He's smiling, he's taking selfies with the fans, which apparently in WWE's book makes you a babyface. I just... I've never cared for Big Show. I think you guys know that. At least since maybe 2010 onward, I have not given two shits about Big Show and his constant heel babyface turns, which are a running gag at this point. Let's admit it. They are a running gag in WWE, in wrestling, that Big Show has turned more times than just about anyone combined, honestly. Um, probably along with Mark Henry and Kane, who also need to uh, be put out the pasture, hopefully at some point. I know Kane's not on TV every single week, neither is Mark Henry, but those guys are nearing the end of their career. I can tolerate Kane at times, same thing with Mark Henry. Big Show just does absolutely nothing for me. This match being a prime example. The Wyatt family, with all the losses that they take, and if there was any guy to take a loss to Big Show on this show, it had to be Eric Rowan, obviously. But they just do not feel as special as they once did. I'm not going to say I don't care about the Wyatt family, but it's hard to care when their booking is such is so asinine. When they win, they lose. They've been getting 
a little bit of a win streak. They've been getting a little bit of love from creative, more so now than they ever had before. But you know, like within recent years and the road to WrestleMania in 2014 and 2015 and leading into, you know, even last summer, they win a lot of matches and they lose when it matters most. I saw this on a comment thread online. I thought it was hilarious. Bray Wyatt, where feuds go to die. And I couldn't have said it better. I could not have said it better. The guy just does not feel special. I like the character. He's still a great wrestler. I like Bray Wyatt still. I don't hate Bray Wyatt or anything, but it's hard to care when they get put in feuds I will not give a fucking shit about, especially with people, if it's with people like The Big Show. I do not need to see Big Show and Bray Wyatt, Big Show and Eric Rowan or Strowman, not even Harper. The whole group, I don't care what the combination of whatever the match will be at Fastlane, which I'm sure we're going to get. I was just waiting for Kane to come out and to set up a tag team match with the pay-per-view. Hopefully that's not on the cards either. I just don't care. I don't care. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I'm reading reports. I might as well mention this now. I might as well mention it now. I've been getting a lot of questions on hashtag AskGSM. People have been tweeting me. Because um, I got Braun Strowman in my own, in my own Royal Rumble game. Uh, good for me, I guess, because he's slated for a push. But the guy's a terrible wrestler. I could have gotten worse picks. That's my, that's my way of looking at it. But based off reports, there's been a lot of conflicting reports. Conflicting reports regards to whether we will get this match or not get this match. But it looks like, from what I've mostly heard, that Undertaker and Braun Strowman was at least being considered for WrestleMania. And that would be a total shit fest. Now, no Brock Lesnar and Taker. I've never been too kind to that match, considering it was that was not a good match. Honestly, let's let's be serious here. That was not a good match. If that match wasn't good, imagine how bad a Taker Strowman match would be. Like that's shades of fucking Taker in '95, early 2000s when he's facing people like Luther Reigns and Heidenreich and Giant Gonzalez. God forbid, that would be fucking awful. I do not need to see Taker and Strowman at WrestleMania, let alone at all. Let alone at all. I know they have big plans for Strowman, but giving him a match at WrestleMania that he's going to lose anyway, which he should. I'm not saying that he that he should win. Um, just putting him in that position isn't going to do him any good because he's going to end up a lot like Bray Wyatt where he gets pushed to the moon in the months leading up to WrestleMania, then he loses, and then he's off TV for like three months, and then he comes back for another feud that he loses also. So it's just, I don't care. I do not need to see that match at WrestleMania. I'm preparing for the worst that Fastlane with Big Show and Strowman, two people I couldn't give two shits about in one match is just the recipe for disaster, I guess is one way to call it, because just that match is all the world, all the potential in the world to be a total and utter shit fest. Um, it should be entertaining just to see how the crowd reacts to it, and that that's going to be entertaining for that reason alone, but the match itself does nothing for me, neither is Taker and Strowman. Like, I hate to be negative, I'm sure you guys know that. I rarely will ever like completely 100% shit on something, but I just don't see, I do not see any saving grace, any benefit to doing a program between Big Show and Strowman or even Strowman and Taker at Fastlane, WrestleMania, Extreme Rules, Main Event, Raw, Superstars, whatever the hell it is, a dark match, I wouldn't even want to see that. I would leave the arena if I saw that match. I feel bad for whoever attends Fastlane has to sit through that shit fest between Big Show and Supposed shit fest. I should say that. We, it's not been confirmed yet. It has yet to be confirmed. And hopefully it won't be, but it probably will be. It's, I don't care. I do not need to see Strowman and Undertaker WrestleMania. It's, you know, I hate to say it. I'd rather have Taker miss WrestleMania. And he's not going to miss WrestleMania, but I would rather have him miss WrestleMania than be at Mania if it's going to be for a match with Strowman. Like, there is like, oh, you know, like I said before, it could be worse. There is few, few people that I think could be worse than Strowman, if any people. Like, I would rather have Taker... Beat the shit out of Miz in a two-minute match of Mania than see a 15-minute match between Strowman and Taker at WrestleMania. I just don't need to see it. And hopefully, for the love of God, John Cena can heal, maybe not 100%, but he's going to try like hell to hurry back to start a feud with Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, I feel like there's a chance. I'm not going to completely count out John Cena just yet. I feel like there is a chance he could heal in time. He could get, not 100%, but get... You know, healthy enough where he won't be, you know, risking further injury if he was to wrestle at WrestleMania. So we'll see. For the love of God, I hope John Cena's back in time. So, because I just cannot bear sitting through a match between Undertaker and Braun Strowman. So, moving up from there, we had Titus O'Neil and Tyler Breeze and kind of a throwaway match. I like O'Neill. I really like Tyler Breeze. 
but I just, you know, I don't care. You know, Tyler Breeze, he's just been a glorified loser. I know RJ and I have, you know, talked about before here on the show that Neville was like the designated loser in WWE for the last couple of months. And he still is kind of a loser, but nothing I feel like, in my opinion, beats Tyler Breeze. This guy is the definition of a loser in WWE. And it's not a reflection on his talent. I've said this a million times before. It's not a reflection on his talent. The guy just loses a lot. The definition of a loser is someone who loses. Is it not? Look it up in the dictionary. And Tyler Breeze loses almost every single fucking week. He lost to fucking Jack Swagger, of all people, on Superstars a couple weeks ago. That's a kiss of death right there. You know, wrestling on superstars alone is not a good sign. But if you were to be on superstars and lose, you're done for. It's not like wins and losses matter on that show. But for Breeze to lose on superstars is really an indication of what they think of this guy. At least Vince McMahon anyway. Because I know, obviously, Triple H was thought enough of him to call him up to the main roster when he did. But he's just died to death. Because reportedly, Vince lost all faith in the guy. And he hasn't been the same since. Came up for a cup of coffee and a few to Dolph Ziggler. Ended about a month. He lost. Um, I mean, he won at Survivor Series, but then he lost the next two matches, so that was kind of a waste. He broke up with Summer Rae, which was what it was. I never really cared for the pairing to begin with. I never, I just could not care less about Summer Rae. She is damaged goods. Um, if there ever was one, she is damaged goods right there. Um, but he has done nothing since the start of the year, so it's sad to see. But O'Neal, um, I like O'Neal. I like the fact that he's winning a lot. It's just he's been on a massive winning streak, but I, like I've said in my reviews, there's no reason to care. There's no character development there. He's just winning matches. Like, again, why should I care? He is just there. He is just winning matches for the sake of winning matches. We do not hear from him much. And if we do, he's in the star room bullying Stardust. Like, am I supposed to like this guy? Or, like, I love the charity stuff that he does. And I love the fact that WWE actually promotes it. Um, and I thought he should have won the um, Hero and All of Us Award, which is, you know, they're worthless awards anyway at the Slammy Awards last month. Um, you know, but despite that, I thought, you know, he, the fact they're showing that is great and that will make people, some people care about him and I care about O'Neal, but there's just a lot more they could be doing with him and showing video packages or even just a one-off backstage segment explaining why him and O'Neal, rather him and Darren Young are not regularly teaming right now. A backstage segment like, Hey buddy, how you doing? I know we haven't teamed in a couple months. I'm trying to focus on my singles career. That's it. That's all you got to do. It's a 30-second segment. 30 seconds. That's all you got to do. Simple as shit, but they don't think of those simple, easy stuff that they could do that those small things make all the difference, in my opinion. Um, But that's that. It didn't really bother me. This match didn't bother me. It's just, it was just screamed to me that there's more they could be doing with O'Neal to establish a character with this guy um, to make people care about him. Dolph Ziggler, or more people care about him, rather. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens had a match again, I guess for the 10th time or the 9th time, maybe, um, I lost track, but it was a pretty good match. I'm not shitting on the fact that their matches are bad. They've always had really good matches, but we've seen it so many times. I'm just beyond tired of seeing them wrestle and why it's not even like they're feuding, even with like Kalisto and Del Rio, which I kind of complained about before, at least they're feuding. These guys have nothing going for them right now. They're just fucking there. And I lost all hope for, not all hope, but most hope for an Owens and Taker match at WrestleMania because if Owens is losing clean on Raw to Dolph Ziggler, it's not a good sign for where his place is at WrestleMania. Like, the the chance of him facing AJ Styles at the pay-per-view would be amazing. Um, The chances of that happening are pretty likely, which is great. But if Taker doesn't have an opponent, people are like, oh, who would you put him in the ring with? You know, Strowman, Jericho? Kevin Owens, people. Kevin Owens is a fresh match. It'd be a great match. The promos would be awesome. Owens maybe calling Taker a grandpa like Lesnar did a couple years ago, I feel like would be money. I don't see it happening, unfortunately, but um, I thought this was a good match and it didn't really piss me off per se that Owens lost. It's just they're trading wins for the sake of trading wins. Again, why? There's no rivalry there. There's no promos. The tweets they're having back and forth on Twitter is great. Owens saying, oh, I'm going to go 9-0 against you here tonight. The new streak is alive. Like that stuff's funny. But why can't we see that kind of stuff on Raw? Owens kind of got some mic time for for a change during his feud with uh, Dean Ambrose. But since then, I know it's only been like a week or two, but he he should be getting mic time regularly. Like as often as New Day gets mic time, every time they come into the ring, that should be Kevin Owens. And he was getting that mic time during his feud with John Cena last year. So it's not completely out of the question. But he shines most when he's on the mic. He's a great wrestler, but 
he shines most when he's on the mic. And if they're not giving the opportunity to do so, he comes off like just another guy on the roster. But like I said, Ziggler and Owens, good match. I just have no idea where they're going with this and why should I care? You know, because if they're just trading wins because of the old even Steven booking, which I've talked about a lot here in the past, in the past here on the show, um, then no one's going to care. You know, just they're trading wins for the sake of trading wins. Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, another match we've seen a million times before. Um, but it's a good match. They made the most of the time they were allotted. Team Bad came out. And, and the, the split kind of felt forced. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not going to try to complain because it was seen coming from the moment that they had the back, not the backseat segment, the, the, the pre match promo when Sasha said, I could do it on my own. She kind of shoo shooed him away during the match. So it was obvious where this was going. Um, but again, I'm not complaining because it was the right move to make. Sasha should have been on her own from the beginning. The whole Team Bad stuff was a disaster. The whole faction wars were a disaster. Total waste of time. And I'm glad she's finally going off on her own, despite speculation that they were still together after Sasha said they were still together on on Twitter last week. Thankfully, it's not the case. Um, Like I said earlier, I feel like the direction is a Banks in Lynch match versus Team Bad versus what's left of Team Bad and Naomi and Tamina at Fastlane. So that should be a good match. Two women's matches in one show. Can never complain about that. Um, a great plus for the women at the pay-per-view. And hopefully it leads to Banks and Lynch versus Charlotte three-way. I don't need a four-way with Brie or Paige or Natalia or whoever at WrestleMania because that makes the most sense to me. Uh, so then it was a good angle. just kind of came out of nowhere because they were teaming tension for a time with they were playing up on commentary the fact that Sasha was more popular than the other members of the group. But they dropped that narrative after a couple of weeks. And they went back to doing unity or whatever. Um, I know that was bad. They were they went back to doing that, and then they just split up on this show after not being together for a couple weeks because Banks was um, she was gone for about a month. So uh, yeah, this was good. And I like the angle, and it'll likely lead to that tag team match that I just discussed at um, at Fastlane. Reigns and Ambrose versus New Day, entertaining match. You know, better than it usually is, just because it felt like they took more risks. They uh, did some more high risk spots. And I'm not saying that every match needs to do like a fucking crazy head dive or a head butt or whatever, a suicide dive um, every single match. But they made this match feel more special because it felt like it was out of the ordinary. It wasn't as formulaic as your typical tag team match main event. It was a good match. New Day lost. Ambrose and Reigns won clean. And then afterwards, Ambrose came out once New Day uh, attacked both Reigns and Ambrose. Um, Reigns got laid out at ringside. And then Lesnar delivered an F5 to Dean Ambrose in the ring. So like I said at the start of the Raw review, it's cool to see Lesnar mixing it up with fresh faces. The triple threat, while it makes absolutely zero sense from a booking standpoint, should be a hell of a wrestling match. And I'm looking forward to it. Like So like I said in my Bleacher article last Friday, or last Thursday I think it was, it's great to see that since Lesnar has come back, he's faced a lot of fresh faces. Maybe not in the form of Big Show or Undertaker, but... Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, Del Rio, Seth Rollins, and now Roman Reigns again, and Dean Ambrose. I'll take this match over Ambrose and Reigns, or, um, you know, Reigns and Lesnar again. Like, those are matches we've seen before. A three-way with all three of these guys is exciting. We know who's winning, believe that, but it should be a great wrestling match, and for that reason alone, I'm excited for it. So that was Raw on Monday night. Not really the best of shows. It was all right for what it was. Not an awful show. I thought the the third, the second half of the show pretty much was not good. Um, didn't really, it wasn't great. It, like again, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. Just kind of in the middle. Um, kind of boring. Some of the, the booking decisions were a bit questionable. But like I said earlier, not a total miss. Not a total missed opportunity or a, you know, a lost cause because they do have another two more weeks. And that's not really an excuse. They should be putting you know, 100% of their effort into every show, but we do have another two weeks before the pay-per-view, so they do have time to build up every match on the card. So we, before we go off the air here, just a very brief, um, in a nutshell, review of Lucha Underground from last Wednesday from January 27, 2016. Great show. I mean, I miss this show so much, Ben. I know it takes some time out of my schedules. It's only an hour, but it's another show, that not that I have to watch, but I watch like I watch a lot of wrestling every week just to review it for my website and because I enjoy it. I'm not gonna, you know, I didn't watch the most recent, you know, one night only pay per view from TNA just because I didn't really care about it. And I didn't really feel like it was that necessary. But uh, I do review NXT, Lucha Underground, and Ring of Honor every Wednesday now. I have, you know, I did it last summer and it was a lot. And thankfully TNA moved to Tuesday, so it's not four wrestling shows in one night. And now as opposed to three, um, I like that a lot more. So I watched Lucha 
on Wednesday night, right after NXT, as soon as it was uploaded online. It was a really good show. And I've said it before, I'll say it once, I've said it once, I'll say it a million more times. If you've yet to check out the promotion, and you don't really like that Lucha Libre style, or you feel like it's not really your cup of tea, you're just saying that just because you saw, based off the previews that you've seen, watch one episode. That's all I ask. All I ask. Watch one match. Watch Vampiro and Pentagon Jr., or Prince Puma versus Johnny Mundo, all night long match from last season, or Mil Mortes versus Prince Puma. All those matches were great, and uh, they have a lot of great storytelling, and things make sense. If you're as aggravated as I am at times with WWE for their lack of consistency in storylines, watch Lucha Underground. They have some of the best wrestling and the best storylines in the planet. Yes, albeit there's a lot of shit about the promotion that makes no sense. Like, realistically, like people dying and getting murdered, that's... Again, might not be your cup of tea, but check out at least one episode. You might enjoy it a lot like I did. I didn't think I was going to like it. I watched one episode. I watched the debut episode. Fucking loved it. I've watched every episode since. This episode was no different. King Cuerno beat Phoenix to win the Gift of God's Championship. A bit of a surprise, but hot way of kicking off the season. Ivelisse won the triple threat match to determine a new number one contender. I know, like, a women in the intergender matches aren't... They're not really my cup of tea either, but Ivelisse is a great talent. Um, I'm not really too fond of Sexy Star. She's good. I don't really like the fact that she beat Pentagon Jr. at one point last year, the most over person in that promotion. But Ivelisse is a fucking badass. So for her to be mixing up with the women, or rather the men, um, is not too bit of a stretch. It's not too much of a stretch. And this was a really good match with Son of Havoc and Angelico, her tag team partners, the former trios tag team champions, and earned a title match immediately after that bout against Mil Muertes, who won the Lucha Underground Championship on the season finale of last season, back in August, and a really, really good match. I mean, Mil Mortis is a monster, but Ivelisse got her hope spots in. He dominated the most of the match, but whenever she got offense in and almost pinned him for a three count, the place went nuts. So like I said, the dynamic, the intergender stuff might not be your cup of tea, but if there's any one intergender match that they've done, which I think has been a great example of how it can work, it's this match. I could do without them taking chair shots and shit to the face, like they did in the first or second episode of last season with Sexy Star and, and Chavo. Um, but I thought the the use of Ivelisse here I thought was great in her match with Mil Muertes. Um, Prince Puma came out and saved Ivelisse, so we do have baby faces that care about other baby faces in this promotion, which was nice to see, a refreshing change of pace. And then after that, Pentagon Jr. came out, who you guys know I, I love. My favorite star by far in this promotion. Everyone's great. There's not one wrestler I don't like. Um, but Pentagon Jr. is far and away my favorite. The guy just reeks of superstardom. He came out, attacked Mil Muertes, hit him with a backstabber, which, weirdly enough, looks a lot more devastating when he hits it as opposed to Del Rio in WWE. I don't know what it is, but it just looks a lot more devastating. So he followed that up by breaking his arm, which is kind of his gimmick, and then doing the whole Seattle Miedo chant. Crowd went nuts. Um, I love Pentagon Jr. This was a, a great match, great main event, great angle, great return for Pentagon. Not really a return, the whole show returned, but just a great episode overall. Like I said, if it's not really your cup of tea, just based off what you've seen from previews or a bit, you know, just some snippets, I would recommend just put an hour of your day to the side, watch an episode, specifically this one. And if you didn't watch the first season, check out the season one recap on YouTube, narrated by Matt Stryker. I already kind of knew what happened the first season. There's a lot to digest, but it was a nice, you know, catch you up to date with what's going on in the storylines, and they are kicking off where they left off in the last season, so it's not a completely whole new season and all new storylines. There is consistency with uh, Lucha Underground. And I, and I keep on calling it a promotion. It's a TV show. You know, I, I, know, I realize that. It, it is a TV show, not a promotion. They do not do live events. I mean, they do tapings and stuff, but they don't tour they just barely started having merchandise in their website, which I might buy at some point. I do have a Pentagon Jr. t-shirt that, that I bought from other websites that I bought from like Mass Republic and not the official Lucha Underground website. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's great. It's a great TV show. Check it out. If you have yet to check it out, do so. Start with the uh, first episode of the third season. Or the third season has been confirmed, which is amazing. But the second season that came back last week, um, check that out. And I'm just highly anticipating this week's episode and the third season, which has already been confirmed. It's going to be a great time to be a wrestling fan. Whenever uh, Lucha Underground comes on, you know you're in for a great night of entering action and awesome, sensational storytelling. So that's it, guys, for WrestleRant Radio here today. Another, another jam-packed episode. Talking to Ryback. Great time talking to him from last month. Finally airing the audio of that interview. 
my raw review. Um, once again, my thoughts and prayers are with Bret Hart at this time as he battles prostate cancer. In my brief, in a nutshell review of Lucha Underground from last week. I won't be doing that regularly because about next week, RJ should be back to review Raw with me and talk about everything else that's going on in the world of wrestling. Um, so we won't be doing it. Unless he checks out Lucha Underground. I don't know. I sent him the link for the first episode. As of last night, I don't think he's watched it in full. He watched some parts of it during Raw last night. Uh, so we probably won't be talking about it in depth you know, at all, pretty much here on the show going forward. But you can check out my weekly reviews of the show right here on NextDoorWrestling.net on the comments corner every Wednesday night, Thursday morning. I usually try to have them up. Um, based on when the show is uploaded, it always differs based on the website that I go to to watch it because I do not have the LRA Network either at home or at school. But um, you can check it out. The reviews are always up. If not by Wednesday night at like midnight or 1 o'clock, you can always check them out on Thursday mornings, Thursdays period, or Fridays at the very latest. But uh, love Lucha, love wrestling in general. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan right now. Um, a possible new show coming on Thursday with another good friend of mine named Tom. I've been talking to him, Dan, back and forth for the past couple of months. Fellow wrestling fan here on campus, we might be starting our own show, like the SmackDown to our Raw, this being Raw, that being SmackDown on Thursday. So more on that on the social media pages, at WrestleRant on the Twitter, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Grim.Jason.Matthews. And as I mentioned before, next airwrestling.net. My full reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event Superstars, Teen Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, and everything else in between. So that's it, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Graham Gson Matthews. We'll be back with an all-new episode of WrestleRant Radio. And one more thing, too. Um, we will not be going live for the foreseeable future. The website that we used to go live on, we haven't been live in a while, but the website that we used to go live on here on EC Radio shut down just recently, Live 365. Dot com backslash ectv73 that will be no more that website shut down um so we will continue to do podcasts i'm recording this right now around three four o'clock on tuesday so hopefully we will have the episodes it's kind of a benefit because i can record the episodes earlier on tuesdays and have them up a lot earlier than 11 or 11 o'clock or midnight on tuesday nights which is great so check out those shows you know wrestle rent radio this show not those shows this show um and the other shows up in the archive version on the website nextairwrestling.net every single tuesday so like I said, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and I'll catch you folks down the road to WrestleMania.